we would pick them up at their house. We would develop the, the route to see all the house floats, and they're still experiencing Mardi Gras while they're with their own family. And it worked out really well. We sold like 65 tours. Wow. I know. I mean, it was. At a, how much? I can't tell you that. Oh, all right. Um, so <laughs> we. Uh, but like, I didn't know that was personal information. <laughs> 65. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Spaghetti on the Wall. Today we have Meg Baird. Did I say that right? Yes. Meg Baird. Hi. How are you? Good. Doing well today. Glad you're here. A DMC from the city of New Orleans, event planner extraordinaire. What does a DMC mean? So it's a destination management company. Right and we, on. we are the experts of the current city that you are actually located in. So there are DMCs all over the world. You have them in San Francisco, Germany. So when you hear DMC, we are the experts of that particular city that we're in. Now, who decides that? Is there like a, so a, there's a, a, a team of people that go, okay, yes, you are now a DMC? Yes. Yeah, so you have to go through specifications. You have to be in business for so many years. You have to go through um, a, a very long vetting process but yes it's um with the admi association of destination management um executives and yeah we were just i guess i guess we've been certified for about four or five years now how'd you get started in this whole game well i sort of fell into it i went to lsu came back to new orleans didn't really know what to do found two different dmcs one that did children's and one that I became a sales assistant and then worked my way up. And then Hurricane Katrina happened mm. and found a really, really great friend in Nashville. And she's like, come on to Nashville. I was like, I've never been to Nashville before. Flew out maybe two or three weeks after Katrina, fell in love with it. And I was like, yeah, this is very similar to New Orleans. The music aspect, the history. I said, I can sell Nashville. You have to be passionate about you, what you sell. So when when New Orleans was where it was, hospitality wasn't really a part of it for so many years, and they had to rebuild. So going to Nashville really expanded my whole array of different cities, how to sell a different city. And so I was there for six and a half years and moved back to New Orleans, worked for a couple other DM, local DMCs here, global DMCs, and then uh, opened up shop in 2016. So you're saying sell a city. I don't so maybe explain that a little bit too. How how are you selling a city and who are you selling it to? So our clients are typically corporate incentive or association business inbound into New Orleans or into then Nashville um, when I was in Nashville. So anyone that comes in from um, for a convention uh, associated with a convention, which are called ICWs in conjunction with, or corporate travel or incentive travel. So XYZ company, you win a trip to New Orleans for five days and we do everything from A to Z. So the time that they arrive to the time that they leave. So arrivals and departures, gift baskets to their welcome party, to their excursions, to their offsites, to diner rounds, to you name it, we do it. 
decor in the, in the hotel ballrooms. So we're their one-stop shop, and we do our due diligence in regards to the vendors. We make sure the insurance is up to par. On the corporate level, we make sure that we give them exactly what they're looking for. So they know when they come to us, to Nolan EMC, we will make sure that they have all of those ducks in a row before we even propose those particular vendors. They're just one DMC per city? No, There's several. No, they're mom and pops which are great. We always need those. But then there's also probably about eight or nine. So when I started in 2016, there were 35 between, that called themselves DMCs, but there was probably about eight to nine, like true already certified DMCs. Now, again, you remember it took, took a couple of years for me to be certified. So I was not certified at that time when I first opened up my company. So now that I'm certified, I'm in the top I mean, I would say top seven to eight. And with COVID, we've, you know, we unfortunately have lost some DMCs, some smaller DMCs, which is really unfortunate. But I guess that's, the, that's what happens. So what's the benefit of being certified? Are they marketing for you? or So, yes. So to an extent, they are marketing. But we also have in our email that we're accredited. So they know, so a client will know, like, okay, they're accredited, meaning that they've gone through the vetting system, and they've showed their books, and they know, you know, they're all up to par. But the other DMCs, that people use them all the time as well. So just it just depends on, actually, even if you're accredited, some DMCs, some clients don't feel comfortable with that particular person, and they're really going to go with the person that they trust. So I've got a business, right, a corporation, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm coming to New Orleans. I'm like, okay, the 2024, I'm coming to the convention center from October 11th to the 15th, whatever. Who am I anyway? Like in the business? Am I, what is my title? So it can be, so before COVID, you were a corporate planner for that particular corporation. Now it's more of like executive assistance or marketing or HR, HR executives uh, are now planning events for their corporations So it just depends on which corporation you're looking at. And right now, what we're finding is the younger generation is coming in and those planners aren't there anymore, which means that our business as a DMC is more valuable for that corporation because we are now the experts for them. Mm. So it is, you know, even though we are, we went through, you know, I guess we're going to a mini recession or a recession. We actually, as DMCs, because of COVID and the hospitality industry, we have struggled so much for the last two years that we are actually blowing up because we, they need us. Sure. They need an expert in that particular city to do all the vetting and make sure that we do our due diligence with the vendors and making sure that we're proposing those top-notch venues that are up to par for what the corporate company is looking for. So when they come to us, we're and everything is so short term right now. We are just getting actually some like January, February, March, April, May business, which is very rare during COVID. COVID, we it was like a two, three week turnaround time. We're still seeing that, but on a bigger level for the larger programs, we're finally seeing like four, five months out. Which during before COVID, it was about the planning was a six months to a year. So I'm glad to see that because that means that as we're growing or as we're getting out of the recession, that 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 really triggers a lot of business coming towards us. It's getting better versus not it, because of the planning. Right. Do you do weddings too? 
No. No weddings. No, the weddings. Um, I you know as much I have done a couple. They have an emotional tie to their cash flow, whereas a corporate company will say, "I have X Y Z money for this event," and there's no emotional ties. So it's um it's black and white. Whereas a mother of a bride will definitely be on top of you 24-7. So it is a different, completely different animal when it comes down to weddings. So we don't do any weddings. We have. We've helped out some friends, but we really, really try to stay away from them. Because the a corporate event is obviously more different than a, yes. uh, a, a, a private event mm-hmm. because obviously you can have more things mm-hmm. and maybe it's spread out over, you know, three or Multiple four days, days. Right, uh, than just one. Mm-hmm. And the budgets are a lot larger. And part of, I guess, the vetting process of you guys is understanding how to allocate the funds in a budget. Right. So they'll come to us and they'll say, we have, I don't know, I'm going to use $100,000 or $50,000. And they have 250 people and it's a five-day event. Mm -hmm. That's what they have, all inclusive. So then we will go in and say, okay, we have this restaurant, this restaurant, this restaurant. And we're going to do this entertainment, this entertainment, this decor for the welcome and we'll have excursions and we'll pull the budget all together for them all in one spot and so then we also then produce the events for them so we're the boots on the ground with them so for those executive assistants or the hr director or the the hr executive they 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 aren't the experts where they used to have an expert in-house so we then become their Boots, like pretty much we're doing everything for them on the ground. And we have, that's what we did in the past anyway, but we are their extension of their team. How do you guys find the people, or how do the people find you? Oh, how do the people find us? There's so many answers to that question. On a larger level, there are consortiums that every, most of the larger DMCs in New Orleans are affiliated with that have lead generation that goes from one DMC to the next. So... If you work with a certain DMC in Vegas, that DMC is connected to you in New Orleans. So then that Vegas partner will send you that lead because they're coming to New Orleans next. So there's usually, back in the day, there used to be a rotation of every four years of where conventions used to go. It's not so much that anymore just because of COVID and that trickle effect of canceling in 2020 and canceling in 2021 and then rebooking in 2022. So... We're seeing a shift in where the business is coming from. Yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's really different. It's different. Are these people paying or are, are you guys giving them like a finder's fee? No. For, okay. No. Why is that not part of the, I guess, process? They're more like a marketing firm for you. If you're going to, in so many words, they're going to market you and you're going to. How are they making their money? There is a fee to be a part of that, but there's gotcha. only one consortium in each city. So if there's a consortium that has one of my competitors, I can't be part of that consortium. Like BNI. Yes, just like BNI. So there's only one DMC affiliated with one consortium in each city. So gotcha. we have a, a smaller consortium and we're part of, um, it's called GPS. It's amazing. And um, Mark is brilliant, but it's a smaller consortium. So, and he has DMCs that are within like a 10-year tenure. 
and he's he's fairly new in the world of consortiums. So we're working with him, and we're it's actually starting to really come come together. So um, is a consortium a, a group? Yes. So okay. a consortium is a group of DMCs that are actually well, like a gaggle of goose geese. Yeah. Got it. We talk about our businesses. We talk about best practices, SOPs. We talk about all sorts of, you know, where the industry's going. So, yeah, it's, um, but we also have, I started a DMC town hall here in New Orleans, which is all the DMCs in New Orleans, where as before COVID, we didn't, I mean, we were all friends. We're all very close. We've all worked at each other's companies. We've known each other for years upon years. People in the hospitality industry never really leave. They just move to a different venue sure. or a different company. So DMC Town Hall after um, COVID or during COVID, I just thought maybe we could all be on the same page of how we communicate with clients. What's going on in the city? How are we selling to the city? How are we selling our, you know, to our customers? We talk once a month. We have vendors that come on board to talk about their new their new venue space or new entertainment. They'll come on and they'll talk about it. It's a Zoom call. It's now becoming more and more of a educational, which is great. Instead of us going out and seeing when you have six or seven, eight DMCs, maybe 10 DMCs, I don't know how many we have. I think we have like 13, 13 or 14. So instead of all of us going out individually, they just come onto the Zoom call, they talk about their new products, and bam. That is making you better at your craft, right? Because you guys are all getting information yes. and passing information on. But the marketing is word of mouth, probably. Yes. A lot of that. Word of mouth, hotels. Hotel salespeople, they come to the city, this, the New Orleans and Company, who is, you know, um, definitely a very much part of our world. New Orleans and Company? Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. It's them. a CVB. Okay. It's a Convention or Visitors Bureau. Got it. And they sell New Orleans as much as we do. And so the customer will contact them or they'll contact us. The CBB will then show them around New Orleans. They may be out to other cities. So we may be up against Dallas, Vegas, and Denver. And so they help sell the city and show hotel rooms or sell the hotel rooms and then get them in. And then we come in on the back end and help with any of the ancillary things. Decor excursions That's are you a are you, do you have mm -hmm. are you a member of yes. the cvb yes okay yes. and so they they're helping get clients for you as well, well but it's a member organization so there's a lot of members so you're in a book so they'll say okay here's the new orleans and company vendor book and you can call them so how we get our business marketing word of mouth facebook instagram what events that we've done in the past, showcasing video, as you said earlier, videos, everything. Yes, it is. <laughs> so um, we're actually starting to, um, video is everything. I have a an 18-year-old daughter right now, and uh, yeah, so everything's video. So I think that is where we're going, and so the more video that you have, the better. Heard. How many people work for you? So we are a team of five, including me. So we have my director of operations, Gina. She's been on board for with me for about three and a half years. Then we have Ashley, who is a newbie to the industry, but amazing. She's our creative director. Then we have also sales. She's an amazing salesperson as well. 
Then we have Katie, who's been in the industry for a while, left during COVID, came back to New Orleans. I mean, came back to the industry. Very excited to have her on board. She's only been with us since May. And then we have Melissa, who's been in the industry for quite a while as well. And she's our creative coordinator, but also helps everybody in the office do whatever we need to, we need to get done. So, yeah. Where do you say your talents lie you specifically sales of course no you know it's the turnaround time for us that's where I mean if I'm going to tell my secret that would be it it's the turnaround it's getting the information to the client as quick as possible and being able to produce that in a very short time customers need everything yesterday Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to get that to them so we all wear different you know different hats obviously when we're owning our own organization so you do sales but you're also i guess the head are you on the ground during these events i don't manage clients anymore over the last three or four months i'm really trying to work on my business and not in my business so we i have once i brought katie on board we went went ahead and i divided all the accounts up And so I help my team with proposals and ideas, and we have the initial onboarding call with the client. But after that, they take and manage it. Let's see, where do I wear my hats? I mean, accounting, social media, I do it all because that's what I have to do. But also, when the client is in town, I'm absolutely there. I'm there on the ground. I'm doing the parades. I'm making sure the buses are clean. I'm making sure that the tour guides are up to par and they're wearing the right thing. I mean, you you have to be in it with your team or your team is really not going to um, look up to you or you got to be there with them. You right. can't just you can't just be like, "Okay, this is what you do." I mean, you have to be there. You have to be in the trenches. Tell me about one of your most memorable events. So, right before COVID, we had an incentive program that it was actually for travel media that was were coming to New Orleans. So we're showcasing New Orleans as a travel destination for 50 of their top media clients. We only had one night to show them everything that we can do. We carriaged them. We had carriages, picked them up at the hotel, and we went to a venue on Bourbon Street for cocktails and appetizers, so they had the Bourbon Street experience, they had the carriage experience. Then we had a surprise, so after about an hour, we had a surprise second line parade come through the venue, so we picked them all up, and we brought them to Jackson Square, and we got on uh, streetcar buses, I'm going to call them. We were going to do real streetcars, but the streetcar line, as everyone knows, was on St. Charles, was uh, at a commission during that time. So we had to come up with an alternative, which is what we do, right? We sell the dream and then we come up like, okay, wait a second, we can't actually do that. So we get the streetcar buses and we transport them to Elms Mansion and we have a beautiful seated dinner at Elms Mansion on St. Charles Avenue. We had an after party afterwards out in the courtyard. And yeah, so they were able to experience carriages, a second line van, Bourbon Street, and a, a mansion on St. Charles Avenue. They loved the event and went off and went off amazingly. So that is one of my most, I mean, I'm going to say recently. And then we're also putting in for, um, well, I can't tell this. We're, we're putting in for an award. We actually won an ADME award, which is the Association of Destination Management Company, last year for the best risk mitigation event nationwide, which was huge. And what does that mean? So 
risk mitigation uh, during COVID was huge, right? For um, corporate events, being live, mm. being, you know, um, wearing your mask, having a COVID family friend environment. So last, I guess in 2020, we knew that Mardi Gras wasn't going to happen. Well, I assumed Mardi Gras wasn't going to happen. So we started doing some brainstorming and what were, what were we going to do to make Mardi Gras happen for the locals of New Orleans. So I brainstormed and I thought about wrapping buses and I thought about doing all this other stuff. Well, this is before house floats came about. So that was just like starting to go, you know, she was starting to like develop the house floats. And Who's I, was, she? Um, I forget her name with the house floats. Um, I don't know. I forget her name. Got sorry. It. No worries. Um, but she started the house floats. And so we decided, what if we did a Mardi Gras house float tour where they had their own bus, their own tour guide, or maybe not, if they don't want it, and their own COVID family. And we would pick them up at their house. We would develop the, the route to see all the house floats. And they're still experiencing Mardi Gras while they're with their own family. And it worked out really well. We sold like 65 tours. Wow. I know. I mean, it was. And how much? I can't tell you that. Oh, all right. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, but like. I didn't know that was personal information. <laughs> 65 tours. So, but it was like, it was a per family bus. So like mm-hmm. you could have up to 15 people or whatever the COVID number was at that time. So it could be seven. Mm-hmm. So we came up with that idea. I mean, we broke even. I mean, it put my, it really put my staff back together, uh, back to work, my tour guides back to work, my drivers and transportation company back to work. So it made us feel like we were back in it. And that was like my most, you know, especially for my staff, like, let's, let's create something that we can at least go to work and do something because for during COVID, it was so hard. There was nothing that, I mean, I did a lot of stuff internally, but in regards to my staff, they didn't have any work. It was mm. very, it was a very sad time during COVID. Yeah, and we also came up with another tour that um, didn't really. We, we were a little too late in the COVID world. Look, I'm not a tour company, but you have to pivot. That word. Um, <laughs> you had to pivot during COVID, sure. and you had to figure out what you were going to do. So, as everyone knows, like the French Quarter really struggled during COVID. So it's like, what if we came up with a VIP tour? where the restaurant, sommelier, and maybe a waiter comes on board with your COVID family, and you walk up, and you you drive up, and you have your first appetizer and a cocktail, and they come in, they serve it to you while you're on your bus in front of the restaurant. So you're not getting off in the in the restaurant. You're is this for people that are visiting New Orleans? Yeah, I mean okay. it can be anyway. We also did it on pedicabs, which was so much fun. Oh, that's cool. So like you ride up on your pedicab, and they would like come to you mm-hmm. with like plates and a nice cocktail, and you would stay there, and they would talk about the food and the beverage right in front of the restaurant, and then you would go to your next. So you would have like we did four restaurants, and then a surprise like mystery restaurant at the end. So that worked out really well. It's very expensive, but. We did, we did like five or six and then, co- and then we opened up shot, like COVID was pretty much over and we didn't have to wear masks anymore. And so we were a little late in uh, marketing that, but it did work. And you know, if we have to do it again, we'll, we'll do it again. There you go. We always have, we always have something in our back pocket. How much of your job is formulaic 
and how much of it is creative. What do you mean by creative? Well, so so you have to be like the ideas, you know, mm-hmm. that you're coming up with. You know, some some ideas are, you know, we're we're, we're coming up with them based on this particular thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's other there's you know there's a formula, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, because like, so there's, there's not really a for- there is I, w- isn't a I wish that there was a formula. So it really depends. I mean, every event <clears throat> is different. Every customer is different. Every budget, everything that they're looking for. I mean, everyone wants a unique experience in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But what does that unique experience look like? How many people do you have? It's going to be different from 10 people to 50 people to 6,000 people to mm. 600 people. Like, it's just going to be different because you can. there's only so many venues in New Orleans that can fit 6,000 people. There's only so many venues that can fit 300. You get to that like 60 to 100 range, and that's like your sweet spot. Like, if you can do, like, 50 to 100, like, there are so many great venues that you can incorporate. But when you get into those larger numbers, I mean, New Orleans has small, small, smaller venues. Right. It just depends. But on the creative side, you really have to think about what the client's goals and objectives are. And sometimes, because of COVID, you sort of have to drill it down because we may be talking to those executive assistants that don't really know. So what have you done in the past? How do we get to your golden objectives, and what are they? So asking those questions up front and trying to really nail down what we're proposing really matters to get the outcome that they're looking for or what their CEO or CFO is looking for. It's a good point. And, you know, a lot of what we do is creative as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's all subjective, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we're like, okay, this is something that I think they're going to really enjoy. Or maybe they don't. How do you navigate that as far as like expectations? How are you managing expectations for some of these people that have no idea and you're trying to, here's where they are. Right. You're trying to meet them there. It's all subjective. Right. How are you, so, you know, how are you navigating I that? I think getting on the phone, I mean, Zoom is a godsend. I mean, I Zoom is amazing. We were using Zoom before COVID with, well, let me, re, let me back it up. I had a customer in 2019, and that's the only way that she would communicate with me. And it was Wednesdays uh, at noon. The only reason why I know that this is because on Wednesdays at noon, there the jets fly over, and every time I'm like, I'm really sorry, <laughs> you know. Um, but so now, you know, I thank goodness I was used to because we had a weekly meeting that was a huge program that we had here in New Orleans in 19. So. But now, like, that's the only way that we communicate. I mean, I'm having to restructure my whole entire office because that's how everyone wants to communicate now. Zoom really helps us. So what we try to do is propose an initial proposal, and then we get on the phone and we go through that proposal over Zoom. We have a lot of video. We have a lot of photos. And they can actually see what we're – and we can walk them through what we're thinking and if that particular person, who is not the decision maker, then we try to get the CFO or CEO on that call to maybe see if this is really what they're looking for. I mean, what CFO has time to look at some creative venues in New Orleans for, right. but it is an important for live events and for having a convention that you haven't had. I mean, I don't know how many times people have said, we haven't had it in two years. We haven't had this in three years. We haven't had, so... It is super important to make sure that that convention or that meeting is up to their expectations because this is the first time they've met in three years. Mm -hmm. 
So it is a definitely a real thing. And I think in the next two years, we'll see planners like in-house planners coming back, but we'll, we'll, we'll help, we'll help in the interim. How do you navigate a mistake? Transparency. And it's all transparency. We do not lie. And we, I mean, we do not push anything under the rug. As soon as we know that there's an issue, would it be, oh, we can't get into that tour venue? We come up with a solution and we present it to the client. No, we can't do this, but these are our two options. Always have a solution when you bring it to the table. The last thing that you need is the client not trusting you on the front end. And as soon as they don't trust you on the front end, it's going to be miserable on site as soon as they come. Mm. So being transparent on the front end is everything. I tell my girls all the time, I'm like, we had, like, there's no lying. Like, if you made a mistake, let's own up to it and let's figure it out and let's talk, talk to the customer. Mm. So transparency, I think, is the key. How do you deal with customers that are, like, difficult going off? Going off. Mm. Um, yeah, and difficult, for sure. Yeah. So... I'm going to knock on wood. I sort of can feel if a customer is going to be like that before we even like in the first initial phone call. Mm -hmm. And if they are going to be like that, we tend to not work with them. Yeah. We don't have, you know, difficult clients. There's always going to be difficult clients, but we really try to mitigate that as much as possible on the front end. And if we see that they're going to be difficult, we know what we're walking into. I'm going to look and see if the ROI is there. Okay. The let's headache see. The headache tax. Yes. Like, okay, it's uh, June. Are we going to deal with this difficult client oh, in June? Absolutely yeah. we heat. are because... Because there's nothing there's, going on. Because there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. So we do... I mean, we look at it. And now on the DMC side of things, we are able to say no. I mean, there's multiple clients that we're just like, if you're out to bed... And we have three weeks to plan it, and we're looking. You're looking at two other DMCs. I'm not your DMC. Right. I don't have time. My staff doesn't have time to be that to be out to bed in a three week turnaround time. Sure. It's just not worth it. So we have those conversations right in the beginning of the proposal process and the onboarding call. One of the first or last questions I ask is, you know, are you bidding? If so, how many DMCs and what are you looking for? Right. And if they say, okay, we have three weeks and I'm, I'm looking at two DMCs, I'm like, okay, well, when's your decision going to be made? Because we may not be your right partner. If they're difficult, um, which recently we've had one, and I'm really glad that we lost this piece of business because he was going to be difficult and he was going to take my team's time for four or five months and when one client consumes the whole team for that time, the ROI wasn't there. Mm. So I'm really glad that we lost it. I'm glad that we went through the process, but I am glad that we lost the business because we're going to be able to book more business because we aren't invested for those five months with that mm -hmm. one particular customer. Now, if it was a million dollar customer, totally different animal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But when you're looking at, you know, Fifty to sixty, eighty thousand dollars. It's not worth it. Why do you think people are difficult? Why are people, some clients, just so much more difficult than others? Is it a personality thing? It's an, an mm. expectations thing. What do you think it is? I, you know, I don't know that answer. I've never thought of it that way. You know, DMCs 
if you've worked with us, then you know. And if you've had a really bad experience with the DMC, then there's a trust issue there. Mm. I think it has everything to do with trust on what we can, what we're going to provide for you and what we can do for you. And if you're difficult, there's really no reason. I mean, there's no reason to be ugly. Life is too short. Sure. My, my opinion. I think maybe, I think it may be an expectations thing, right? Like when, you know, maybe somebody comes in, they're used to working 80 hours a week, you know, they're used to their sort of standards, I guess. And maybe they want to impose that on everybody else. I don't really let it get to me. The expectation of my office, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a very quick turnaround. So you get an email. I get an email from you that you're looking for an event. You're going to get an email. I mean, i am probably got two of them in my inbox right now. I'm talking to you. But immediately I'm going to respond, hey, do you want to jump on a Zoom call? Let's talk about your program. Let's see where we're going to go with this. Mm-hmm. If you start the expectation like that, you really can't be mad. Right. Like they're getting back to you as soon as possible. Right. And, you know, ugly clients. I mean, they're just I I don't I don't know what their issue is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What's the protocol in a follow up? When do you know you're maybe reaching out too much and what's not enough? Is it a feeling thing or is that a standard operating? Well, it used to be like every three months, but now it depending like if you send a proposal out, you need to follow. I mean, if, if they go silent, it's a totally different animal. Then you have to like, and you're and you follow up two or three times. We just we did it. There's so many DMCs, and there's you know maybe they're just getting information from you. In our DMC town hall, we only propose two times, and then we ask for a letter of engagement. So you are only getting two proposals from us. You're not getting any more than that. If you are, it's um, uh, we've already had a letter of engagement. What's a letter of engagement? So a letter of engagement. There's no money. It's just saying that you're going to work with me. I'm going to work with you. Hmm. um, Moving forward. A letter of intent. Yeah, it's a letter of intent, but we call it a letter of engagement just because there's no money. You have new new words. Yeah. A consortium. Yeah. You know, new things. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, then just uh, you can look into that camera right there and uh, tell them where they can find you. Yes. NOLA DMC. And we are at uh, NOLADMC.com. Facebook, NOLA DMC, LLC is my Instagram. And I think Facebook's NOLA DMC as well. So uh, you can jet us an email at meg at noladmc.com or jet us a, a RFP process. We have a request for RFP on our website. Is there an amount of money that like, like this is the minimum you guys have to have a budget of this much for us to work with you? Yes. It used to be 2500 and as we have grown, now we're up to 10000 So we do have a $10,000 minimum um, moving forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, on a corporate level, that's, that's you know. But if you have something less and it's in the right time, give us a call. We'll definitely look at it and see what, what we can do for you. Very cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Meg Baird with NOLA DMC. If you guys are looking for um, someone to help you plan your event, um, hit her up and and if you had any advice for somebody that's wanting to get into the the DMC yeah, world, please reach out to me. Jet me a LinkedIn. I would be more than happy to put you in touch with all the DMCs. 
We have so many opportunities out there. Please reach out to me. I'm all about helping people get into the industry. It's a very addictive industry. So once you're in here, we may not let you go. (laughs) That's very cool. Thank you so much, Meg. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode brought to you by LaDuke Entertainment for all of your digital marketing needs, social media, videos. Um, Yeah, hit us up if you guys need some help with your digital marketing needs. And we'll see you all next time on Spaghetti on the Wall.